For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Praise the Lord. Embrace the love. The Gospel of John, John chapter 11 is where we'll be today. Lazarus is raised from the dead. And while you're turning there, if you're in Citrus County or surrounding areas and you're a lady and you are pregnant, listen, there is great hope. There is hope. Contact the Citrus Pregnancy Center at 352-341-5176. Amen. So John chapter 11, the Bible says in verse number one, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And so we now come to the last great miracle in the public ministry of the Lord Jesus. And even in some senses, it may be the greatest miracle of all. He raised the man from the dead. And that's not the first time it happened, but it's the first time it happened in this manner. Lazarus lived in Bethany, and it was about two miles east of Jerusalem. And Bethany was also where Mary and Martha lived. Amen. Verse number two. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And so we now know that Lazarus had a sister named Mary. Mary was the one sending word to Jesus that, hey, Lazarus is sick. And this is the Mary that broke open the ointment on Jesus's feet and wiped it with her hair, if you remember that story. So John explains that it was the Mary of Bethany who anointed Jesus's feet. And that single act of devotion was emphasized by the Holy Spirit. The Lord loves, the Lord loves the willing people that want to give him affection, that want to give him time that they want to walk and talk and fellowship with him and yes the lord jesus is worth the worship he is the only one worth the worship amen and so i believe in my heart that this woman wanted to worship the lord jesus christ she loved him that much see when you learn about god when you're saved and you learn who he is you'll stop saying hey the man upstairs or the man the big man upstairs i got a good thing going on no you'll start saying the savior my king my god my lord amen that's what you'll start saying this woman i believe was in her heart trying to show the greatest act of worship that she knew how to express and this is the greatest way that she knew how to express 
her worship for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was to take the precious thing that she had because that ointment was very, very expensive. As a matter of fact, when she did that, one of the disciples said, why did you do that? This could have been sold for a lot of money. And Jesus said, hey, be quiet. She's worshiping me. In other words, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's about what he said. And so, she was worshiping Jesus, and she was worshiping him the best way that she knew how, in the greatest way that she knew how. Not only did she break that great box of ointment on his feet, she then proceeded to take her hair and to clean Jesus's feet. In other words, hey, when you come to really know Jesus, you really know that I'm not worthy but thank you for loving me. I'm not worthy, but thank you for saving me. I'm not worthy, Jesus, but thank you for loving me despite all my sins, all my flaws, all my shortcomings. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And hey, the more that you learn who Jesus is and the more that you learn about yourself, the where you stand in God's eyes, the more you will worship Jesus. And you want to give Jesus the greatest act of worship that you know how to give. And I believe that's what this woman was doing. Amen. Can I ask you, what is the greatest act of worship you know how to give? And hey, there's always going to be somebody say something. Don't worry about what they say or so-and-so says or sister this or brother that or so-and-so down the street. You listen to me. She didn't worry about that because even a disciple had something to say about don't do that. But listen, Jesus was pleased. Jesus was happy. Jesus' heart was warm because listen, God made a lot of great things, whales and birds and trees and animals, but he doesn't didn't want fellowship with none of them. He wants fellowship with with me and you, amen. That's what he died for, that we can have fellowship with him. And when you give God your greatest act of worship that you know how to give, I promise you it pleases him, amen. So what act of worship have you given him? Verse number three, the gospel of John chapter 11 and verse number three. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Lazarus took sick, the Lord Jesus was apparently on the east side of the Jordan River. And these sisters, they sent word immediately, as fast and quick as they could. And this is what they said. He who loved, the one that you loved, is sick. And there was something very touching in the way these sisters presented their case to the Lord. They appealed to Jesus' love for their brother as a special way, as a special argument to hurry. You should come right now. Don't wait. We need you today. You know, that's what we do when we're in trouble. When we got a problem, we jump on our knees. Lord, I need you. It's got to be right now. I got to have it. You can't wait. Get here right now. Remember, Jesus, he's the, the one that whom you lovest. He's sick. You know, they were reminding Jesus of how much that he loved Lazarus. But can I just say, you don't have to remind Jesus how much he loves you. But let me tell you, it is very good for yourself to remind yourself of how much Jesus loves you. Amen. He loves you enough that he died 
for you, to save you from your own sins, from the penalty of your own sins. So it is a great and wonderful thing to remind yourself of how much Jesus loves you. You say, preacher, how do I do that? Hey, get your Bible, open it up and start reading. And Jesus is going to tell you how much he loves you. Amen. Verse number four, the gospel of John, verse number four. When Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. When Jesus said this sickness is not unto death, he didn't mean that Lazarus wouldn't die. No, but that death would not be the final outcome of the sickness. No, because if you just look at it at face value, you say, this sickness is what? What do you mean he's not going to die? They say he's dying. But Jesus meant this sickness is not unto death. Death does not have the victory. Amen. And that's what happened when a person gets saved, when they get born again, when they're washed in the blood, when you've repented of your sins and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not unto death. No, sir. No, ma'am. Death does not have victory. The apostle Paul said, O death, where is thy sting? Why? Because the Lord Jesus took the sting out of death. It does, you do not have to fear it anymore. It doesn't mean you might not worry a little bit. It doesn't mean you might not be scared, but just like a soldier going into battle, hey, he might be scared, but he's going anyways. Why? Because that's his job. That's his duty. And when you're a Christian, you know that day is coming. Unless the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back, you know there'd be a day come when you take your last breath. But listen to me. If you're born again, you have that comfort. You have that grace that, hey, old death, where is thy sting? It's nothing but a shadow I'm going to pass through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, a shadow can't hurt you. A shadow can't harm you. It may scare you, but it cannot hurt you. And that's all death is to a Christian. Why? Because the Apostle Paul even said that for a Christian to die, it is gain. It is gain. It is even better for you. And so Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now listen to the last part. That the Son of God might be glorified there by see Lazarus would die but he would be raised again from the dead the real purpose of the sickness was the glory of God that the son of God may be glorified through it and so there's absolutely no suggestion that Lazarus sickness was a result of some sin in his life no he was a devoted person that loved Christ doesn't that just sound familiar though? Because didn't in just chapter nine, there was a man born blind and even the disciples, when they seen him said, master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus said, neither hath this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And here now we have another story of the same kind of situation. He did nothing wrong, but yet that sickness came that God, that Jesus may be glorified, amen, thereby, that you might see the glory of God. And as one great preacher said, problems are the platform where you get to see the true glory 
of God. And I tell you, this family, these sisters, his brother, and everybody around was going to get to see the glory of God because of this problem. And you wonder about your own life. I didn't do nothing. I don't deserve this. They did me wrong. I, I don't. I shouldn't be sick. I shouldn't be in this situation. I shouldn't be broke. I shouldn't be bankrupt. I shouldn't be... But can I just say, quite possibly, it's so that the glory of God may be manifest in you. Amen? God allowed this to happen so that Jesus would come and raise Lazarus from the dead and thus be manifested again. I'm, I'm the true Messiah. And men would greatly glorify God because of this miracle. Amen? All praise and glory be to God. Can I just say what problem is in your life so that the glory of God might be made manifest in you? Maybe God's not going to heal you. Maybe God's not going to give you the greatest job you ever wanted. Maybe God's not going to bring you out of bankruptcy. Maybe God's not going to make everything better. But listen to me, there is something seriously powerful when everything's going wrong, when your child's living in sin, when you've lost your job, you've lost your house, you've lost your health, you're in your sick you're in the hospital but you glorify God and you say I love the Lord he's the Lord God Almighty he's the Savior he's my Savior and he can be your Savior too amen hey that brings glory to God that is being made manifest in you amen and so that others might be healed of that disease called sin and that they might be on their way to heaven amen because of what you have done because you have glorified God in your tribulation. Amen. Verse number five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now how much did G they knew how much Jesus loved them because they even sent word, hey, the one Lazarus that you love so much, he's sick. And even the Bible says here that he not only loved Lazarus, he loved their sisters, Martha and Mary, and he loved Lazarus. When sickness enters our home, we should not think that God is displeased with us. And because here, sickness was directly linked with his love rather than his anger. He loved them. But what did he say? That his glory and then his works may be made manifest in him. And so sickness was not directly linked with Sickness is directly linked with his love, but it's not linked with his anger. Amen. You stop and think about that. When next time you look at somebody and you think, well, they did something. Well, they deserve that. Well, they caused that problem. Well, they brought it on themselves. Yeah, they kind of deserve that. Amen. Because Jesus said, hey, I love them. They've done nothing. This is in their life so that I may be glorified. Amen. So stop and check yourself next time you have that thought. Because we're all human beings. Those kind of thoughts run through our mind. Amen. But listen, just like he told that disciple, hey, he's done nothing this work is so that i i the lord jesus christ may be glorified here upon earth through him through their hurt through their trial through their tribulation and i love them amen but the bible also says whom he loveth he chasteneth amen next verse john chapter 11 and verse 6 and 7 when he had heard therefore that he was sick he abode two days still in the same place where he was. 
Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Notice that again. We'd be apt to reason that if the Lord really loved those believers, if he really loved all three of them so much, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, then he would have dropped everything. He would have jumped up and he would have ran to Judea. Because you know what? That's what we'd have done. If somebody calls you and says, hey, your child's sick. Hey, this is going on. Hey, they need help. Listen, man, you would leave a dust trail going out the door, jumping in your vehicle to get gone to get there to help them. You most certainly would. Why? Because that is at our nature. When we hear of trauma and trouble, we say, it's got to be right now. I got to go right now. I got to get it done right now. But Jesus and God's timing is not our timing. And so sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray. And we think, Lord, don't you love us? Lord, don't you love us? Lord, why won't you answer my prayer? You listen to me. God's delays are not God's denials. Did you hear me? I'm going to say that again. That is so simple, yet so deep and profound. God's delays are not God's denials. Just because God is making you wait, just because you have a delay, does not mean that God is going to deny your prayer. Many big prayers have been answered after that person was long dead and gone, but God still heard that prayer and that prayer God answered. So if our prayers are not answered immediately, perhaps he's teaching us to wait. Perhaps he's teaching you to wait. Perhaps he's teaching me to wait. And if we wait, perhaps he's teaching us to wait patiently. It's something us as good old Americans just don't have, isn't it? We want Christianity in a drive-thru. We want our Bible study in a drive-thru. We want to grow up spiritually in a drive-thru. Everything's got to be in a hurry. But God doesn't work that way. God works on his time. When he's ready. When he knows that you're ready. When he's gotten you ready. When he's gotten the situation ready. When he's gotten your family ready. Amen. And so maybe God's making us to, he's teaching us to wait and to wait patiently. We will find that he will answer our prayers in a much more miraculous and marvelous way in a much greater time than we could ever imagine. And God is making us wait. But not only that, God knows that we're like little children. You see a little kid, man, they... They get so excited about their birthday coming and they're going to get presents or Christmas and they just can't wait. They can't go to sleep. I'm so excited, God. Maybe Lord wants you to get that way about the prayer that you've been talking to him about. Lord, I need this so bad in my life. I want this so bad in my life. I need this family. Maybe God wants you to show some faith and flex your faith muscle and say, Lord, I know you're going to answer it in the time that you see fit. Amen. And I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. That's what faith is. It is trusting another. Amen. So not even his love for Martha and Mary and Lazarus could force Christ to act ahead of the proper time. You see, everything, everything, everything that Jesus did, that he did was in obedience and perfect obedience to the Father's will for him and keeping it with his divine timetable. Can I just say everything in your life, God wants you to be obedient and he will answer it on his own divine timetable in your life. Verse number eight, 
his disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Remember what Jesus said, let's go, let's go again. The disciples were still painfully aware of how the Jews sought to stone and to kill Jesus after he had given sight to the blind in chapter number 9. And so here Jesus said, I'm going back again. And the disciples are worried. Wait, you want to go back where they want to kill you? And Jesus said, I'm going. And so they were surprised that he would even think about going into Judea where he could be killed. But listen, Jesus went to the cross to save you and to save me. He was certainly not afraid of what they were going to do to him in Judea. And more than that, when you're in God's hands, when you're working on God's time, when you're being obedient to him, his hand is upon you. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. Verse number nine, John chapter 11 and verse number nine. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. Isn't that a peculiar way to answer that? His disciples, as his disciples said, the Jews are, are waiting to kill you. They're waiting to stone you. And you want to go there again? And here Jesus says, are there not 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered them as follows. In the ordinary course of events, there are 12 hours of light in the day when man can work. As long as a man works during the allotted time, there's no danger of him stumbling or falling because he sees where he is going and what he is doing. And listen, God has given you so much time on this earth. If you're saved, if you're born again, God has given you so much time on this earth to work, to do his business, to do his bidding, and to do his will. The light of this world or daylight keeps you, keeps him from accidental death through stumbling. And here, listen to me, here is the spiritual meaning. The Lord Jesus was walking in perfect obedience to the will of God. And there was no danger of his being killed before the appointed time. He would be just fine until his work was done. You listen to me, in your life, when you're in the obedience, when you're in the obedience and when you're in the perfect will of God, and you're doing what God tells you to do, and you're on his clock, listen to me, he's got an appointed time for you, and nothing is going to happen to you unless God allows it. And it's not going to be until you are done with God's work. William Tyndale is a perfect example of that. He ran, he ran, he ran from them trying to kill him because he was translating the Bible into English for me and for you, and they couldn't catch him, and they couldn't catch him, and they couldn't catch him. You know when they caught him? After his work was done and the Bible was translated into English, then they killed him. But it wasn't till his work that God had for him to do here on earth was done. Listen to me, your, your life is in God's hands. And when you realize that nothing is going to happen to you without passing through the hands of God, it gives you so much peace that, hey, I, I'm going to keep myself in the will of God. I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to do what he wants. I'm going to be on his timetable. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. And there's nothing that can touch me. There's nothing that can touch my family as long as I'm in the will of God, unless it passes through the hands of God and God allows it. Verse number 10. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light 
in him. The person who walks in the night is one who is not faithful to God, but is living in self-will. Hey, Christian, are you living in self-will? Are you walking in the light? Are you living in the darkness? Are you walking in the darkness? Are you living in the light? Are you on the perfect path that God has for your life? We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.